This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Marco Muzo, the drunk driver who killed four members of the Neville Lake family, including three children, has been granted day parole. And this comes after he served four years of a 10-year sentence. The decision to grant the construction air day release was not made public. The parents of the children posted it on Facebook. He has served just over one year for each of the deaths that he caused. It is just not fair that he can be released prior to serving all of the minimal sentence. Marco Muzzo, you took my son Daniel away from me. You took my Harrison away from me. And you took my daughter Milagros away from me. How can you get to come home and they don't? Well... Heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. Joining me now, Andrew Murray, CEO of MAD Canada. Hello, Andrew. Good afternoon. Well, um, I, uh, are you surprised by this? I, I think you have to separate this into two types of discussions. Uh, one, looking at the system and how it works and, you know, the impact on families and how they feel. So from a systematic point of view, not surprised, uh, was a little surprised last year when they denied him uh, did, uh, day parole, gave, you know, he didn't have the respect he should have for alcohol. Obviously, he's worked on that. And, you know, the corrections staff recommended at the parole hearing that he has fulfilled his obligations and should be subject to day parole. And there's no way any family would accept that. I think uh, Jennifer Neville Lake sums it up so appropriately. He only served, you know, one year for each of the fatalities in their family. And it's just society and from a victim perspective, unacceptable. Uh, What would be acceptable from your point of view? Well, the way the system works um, is just when people are associated with them, when somebody gets 10 years, they expect them to serve 10 years you know, they expect, you know, consecutive sentences. So if you kill four people, there should be four different sentences and they all run together and the person should serve that time. So from the people that are involved in the criminal justice system, from a victim perspective, that's what they'd like to see. But that's not on the radar. That's not kind of things that our parliamentarians are willing to consider. And so victims of crime continue to be frustrated at the system. Okay. Um and again, do you think there's a better way of doing it? Well, yeah, I do. I, I think there's, uh, a, you know, a bit of too much of a wide discretion. Uh, I think there should be more of a, a grid system in place and, and clear expectations of what families can expect in, in the form of a penalty. Um, and so things like, you know, there can be consecutive sentencing for each death, the the penalty should increase each injury the penalty should increase and then i think there's some relationship to the harm caused and the punishment and and i want to be clear 
the the punishment of these offenders isn't going to stop the crime, but it's what victims and society has seen and expect as fair punishment. Okay. Andrew Murray, thank you very much for being with us. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Let's uh, take a quick call from Lorian Ayer. Hi, Lori. Hi. How are you, Libby? Fine, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. I'm quite shocked that Marco Muzo got out. I shouldn't be shocked because this happens again and again. I think that being put in jail needs to be more of a deterrent. I think sitting around in jail getting free square meals, as some other lady mentioned, um, probably better than nursing homes get, is not much of a deterrent. Well, and and I'm, I'm sure it's very different from the lavish life that this guy had. That's true. I believe that I'm sure that's very true. Um, I think a lot of criminals do criminal activity, not this, not in this case, but um, because they don't have much to lose. But in this case, he did have, and it was obviously a bad decision that he made. But I still don't think that he's served enough punishment for what pain he caused the family. Well, Laurie, I am sure a lot of people agree with you. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, let's bring in defense lawyer Ari Goldkind. Hi, Ari. Hi, Libby. Good to be on with you. Thank you. Uh, good to have you on. Uh, so I would assume that you're not surprised by this. No, I think really what's happened here, Libby, is that the Canadian public has been drastically misinformed and thinks that the criminal justice system works in a way it doesn't, so that they think that the Marco Muzzo release yesterday was shocking, or another narrative that I see all over anti-social media are people thinking that his wealth and the fact that his daddy's a billionaire had something to do with the way he's treated, and in fact, the opposite is true. He is being treated more harshly because of his family wealth, and I just think that's a narrative that, through no fault of anybody, Libby, this is not a finger-pointing, the Canadian public is just completely misinformed as to how our system works or doesn't work, how parole works or doesn't work, but there was absolutely, in short, nothing shocking about him getting out yesterday. There was nothing shocking about him not doing more than... Uh, just over a third of his sentence. And quite frankly, if he didn't screw up at his parole hearing a year ago so badly, his screw up, he actually should have been out a year and a half earlier than yesterday. Uh, let me ask you one thing. Um, do you think there was any impact of, of the pandemic? Because we know that jails are very dangerous congregate places. Do you think that had any impact at all? So that's a great question, Libby. And as much as this will be a boring answer, and I'm not known for those, the answer is that COVID-19 or the Chinese coronavirus or whatever you call it based on your uh, politics had absolutely nothing, and I emphasize this, nothing to do with yesterday's hearing or Marco Muzzo's situation. As I said, if Marco Muzzo didn't screw up at his parole hearing in November 2018 by saying all the wrong things, and sort of um, avoiding the truth of certain things, he would have been out in November 2018. So while the virus certainly is an issue in all sorts of stories that nobody's reporting on, i.e. the number of violent people being released every day, every day from jail cells all across this country and nobody's paying attention to it, it had nothing to do with Marco Muzzo's release yesterday. Do you think that things should be changed? I mean, this is something certainly very painful for victims, but, you know, if um, uh, 
you know, as soon as we talk about this, our, our call boards light up and, and, uh, I don't think we have any people out there who think this is a good thing that he would have only served, what, a little more than a, a third of yeah, the sentence so he to, got? Yeah. So just to make it make sense to your audience, because I don't think we have enough time to get into the weeds of it. He's eligible for parole six months earlier. Now, remember this six months earlier than one-third of his sentence. And remember, he got a 10-year sentence. The math tells us that he would have been eligible just under three years into that sentence. That shocks a lot of Canadians, but that's par for the course. That's the way our system works. Now, here's the part that, again, I don't think enough people pay attention to, and I'm a defense lawyer, and I'm now going to commit treason on my profession, but I don't care. One of the biggest problems here is that Marco Muzzo becomes the poster child for this because he had the unfortunate, terrible luck of going through an intersection where that beautiful family was going. One of the deepest problems in our society, Libby, and we don't have enough time to talk about this, I know that, is that we look at Marco Muzzo like he's the devil and he's Dr. Evil because of the consequences of what he did going through that intersection. But society seems to have no enmity, no hatred, no equal opportunity discussed for the non-Marco Muzzos, the ones who do the same thing as him. Two or three times the legal limit could take an Uber, a taxi, or a limo. The only difference between him, Marco Muzzo, and everybody else that nobody hates is that they made it home or to the Scotiabank Arena or to the wedding and bar mitzvah without hitting anybody. Until our criminal justice system starts to take the act of drinking and driving, not the consequences of it, Libby, if I'm making sense to you, but the act of drinking and driving, whether you hit anybody or not, that is where there's a real disconnect in our society. So while I understand people hate Marco Muzzo and want him to rot in jail, I'm sorry. If you think that Marco Muzzo woke up that day thinking, I'm going to fly home, and then I'm going to get in my car and mow down a family, you're absolutely completely wrong. He did what hundreds of Canadians do every day. The difference is he went through the wrong intersection. I don't know if hundreds of people go to two or three times the legal limit. I mean, people people go definitely. No, No, Libby, hundreds. Let me tell you, it is the most common charge. In the criminal code in Canada, I know that sounds shocking. When, when I say that, you'll probably think robberies and bank robberies and sexual assaults and stealing from Loblaws. Nope. The number one charge that clogs up courts and that are laid more than anything else, impaired driving. And, but at that level? Yes. It's very rare. Oh, that's a good question. So again, just mindful of the time we have. It is very rarely that somebody is charged at just over the legal limit. Remember, Libby, here's a shocking statement. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. Drinking and driving in this country is legal. I've always felt it should be completely illegal. But the government says you're allowed to have 0.8 milligrams of alcohol in your blood. When people get charged, nine times out of 10, they're double the legal limit. They're one and a half times the legal limit and often upwards. And that shocks Canadians because when you take it out of the conversation about Marco Muzzo and you take it to that's what your neighbor is doing, that's what your boss is doing, but your boss made it home 
I could debate with the cows till the cows come home, Libby, and I would, but we don't have the time. What makes your boss making it home at the same limit or over the limit that Marco Muzzo was? What truly makes them different? But for the consequences, unfortunately, our criminal justice system obsesses over the consequences, not the actual act. And I think that is wrong. Okay, let's take a call from Simone in Parkdale. Hi, Simone. Hi there. He wasn't that harshly treated in jail since he had barbecues for friends and conjugal rights. Uh, he should have served at least eight years. I'd say fifteen to twenty years. But uh, you know, and and I don't. I think he had charges before for drinking and driving. This makes it even worse. And two other people were badly injured, although they weren't killed. So he should have gotten at least fifteen to twenty years. Okay, Simone, thanks for and, that. And pardon me, can I just add this? Anyone caught drinking and driving should get an automatic six months in jail. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, that's, uh, I didn't know about the uh, barbecues and conjugal visits. Sorry, go ahead. Ar- let, me ad- let me address that, Libby, because it's a very interesting point your caller makes. And there is this idea that somebody like Marco Muzzo should do Shawshank Redemption, prison break like hard time. Well, again, I will be a little quicker about this than if we were in a, an environment where I'd make a speech about it. Okay, but yeah, you've got a, about a, a minute. That's, that's right. There yeah. is a very significant difference, just for your caller to know, about the difference the way the correction system will treat a guy who takes a gun, loads it, goes through the Eaton Center, shoots up the Eaton Center, doesn't care who's in the Eaton Center, wants to get revenge on his fellow gang members. That person is treated as a very different criminal than somebody like Marco Muzzo, or God forbid, your caller there, who may one day drink and drive, and there but for the grace of God go the devil, may actually hit a young child. The idea that a Marco Muzzo should serve, because he's low risk, he's not a threat to do it again, the idea that there's no difference in how the jails treat a guy who shoots up the Eaton Center versus a Marco Muzzo, I'm sorry, I just can't go down that road of thinking. Okay. Uh, and we are out of time. And uh, yeah, you know what? Another time, Ari, we should talk about all those uh, criminals who are going free and and the clog up in the whole system. You're completely right. Completely ignored, Libby. It's a shame and it's being completely ignored. Okay. Maybe next week. Ari Goldkind, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Libby. Okay. And, uh, you know, if we couldn't get your call, uh, Free For All Friday is coming up. We can talk more about Marco Muzo then. And right now, that's all the time we have. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.